Welcome to Shrink for the Shy Guy. This is the show for you if you are sick and tired of being held back by fear, self-doubt, social anxiety, shyness, anything that's stopping you from you being you. I'm going to share the most powerful tools and resources that I've been discovering over the last 15 years on my journey to eradicate social anxiety and instill confidence, first in myself and then in every single person that I meet on my journey. You're going to learn these tools and how to apply them in your life now so that you can become the most free, powerful, bold, authentic version of you. Hey, welcome to today's episode of the show. Today, we're going to be talking about a case study, how I help someone overcome social anxiety, someone who's lived with it for whether it's three years, five years, 30 years, 50 years. It really is the same in a lot of ways. The process of liberation is the same no matter where you are. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm excited to be with you. Hope you're doing well. And um, if you want to go further, find out more about this uh, this show, this me or anything like that, go to shrinkfortheshyguy.com, shrinkfortheshyguy.com. You can also get an ebook there that I have uh, called Five Steps to Unleash Your Inner Confidence for free that uh, gives you a, a very clear step-by-step guide to radically increase your confidence. And of course, you want to go deeper. There's all kinds of ways to, to do that as well. So let's let's talk about this. So I'm going to change some of the key details uh, just to preserve confidentiality. So I'm really going to be stripping away um, you know, names, locations, that sort of thing, and really focusing on the core psychology, which it's kind of funny because... Uh, that's something that everyone can identify with. You could probably identify with it. I could identify with it. So when you hear it, there's no identifying information. It's just like, oh, crap, is he talking about me? So uh, that's the goal here. Uh, so let's uh, give you a little bit of background. He's a young guy. He's in school. And he was confident when he was young. And then he hit a sort of a turning point in his life when he was in middle school. And he ended up going to a different school. And that was a kind of a toxic environment in that new school. Now, a lot of people can have a hard time or a turning point in middle school. That's when my social anxiety began. And you don't necessarily have to have been in a toxic environment. Um, Where that turning point for you might not have been middle school, might have been high school or college or, you know, after you divorced or, or whatever it is. So there's something that happens. And or you just go to a new school. It's not even like a bad place. Whatever it was for you. Um, there's usually some sort of place where we start to notice our social anxiety. And this happened for for this client when he was in middle school and uh, progressed from there where he started to develop uh, social anxiety. And what's really interesting is, and this is how I think, so this is a case study, this is how I think about when I'm helping someone. And I've helped many, many people like liberate themselves from social anxiety, not just manage social anxiety, not just like, yeah, you're kind of effed for life, but you know, you can kind of get through it with medication and knowing you're effed for life. No, no. Liberation, man. That's what I want. Total liberation, freedom from social anxiety, unstoppable, deep core confidence. That's what I want for myself and anyone who wants to work with me. That's the game we're playing for. We're not playing for management of social anxiety. We're talking about creating an extraordinary life. So here's some of the, the thinking that, that I have for that sort of thing. One is I start to, the first question I'm curious about is 
What is this person's identity? What is this person's identity? And so uh, for him, there was an identity of I'm quiet, I'm shy, I'm awkward, I'm not good at talking to people. This is how he saw himself. Now, why do you think I'm curious about his identity? Because how he sees himself is how he's going to show up. And it's also how he imagines other people are going to see him. That's how, it's important, so I'm going to uh, repeat some of this stuff. And think about yourself, your identity, who you think you are. I am this, I am not that. I am like this. I tend to behave like that. That's our identity. And when you have that, and usually it's kind of subconscious, you're not walking around thinking to yourself, I am this, I am not that. It's just there. It just guides you. It guides your behavior. It guides how you act. It guides what you wear. It guides what you say or don't say. And I want to kind of flush that out and make it so conscious, make them aware of their identity. And so we talk about it. And the reason it's so important to talk about it, this is the part where I'm repeating myself, is because your identity and my identity and his identity and everyone's identity controls us in a couple of ways. One, we conform to that identity. This is, okay, this is who I am. All right, that's how I'm going to behave. I don't know how to behave in this new setting, so I'll just behave how my identity tells me to behave. My identity says I'm quiet, I'm awkward, I'm socially anxious, I'm not good at talking to people, I avoid talking to people, especially people I don't know or that I'm attracted to. Okay, I'll do that in this environment too. We stay consistent with it. And then we also imagine that other people see us that way. So we it's another force kind of keeping us in line with that. I think I'm this way. Other people think I'm this way. And a common thing that I often hear when I start to work with people about changing their behavior, changing their identity, how they show up in the world, one of the fears is, but the people that know me know me as this old way. And it'll be, it'll be just, there you go, period. Can't, uh, therefore, therefore I cannot do anything different. <laughs> I love that one. I love it. I love all the defenses we have, all the, all the ways we try to uh, stay safe, the, the many workings of the safety police. And my response to that is always like, so what? Yes. First of all, people almost never comment. But secondly, even if they do, what? Are they, wow, you're, you're talking to people today. You usually don't talk to people at work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I noticed that. I, I thought I'd Trying to change that and be a little more social at work. There you go. Problem done. Problem solved. Now, now you can go on with your new behavior. So the idea that, oh my God, I can't change it. Everyone's going to notice. That's just another form of safety police. And that's an extremely important topic that I, is that I also think about when I'm working. This is sort of inside of my mind when I'm working with a client. Is the, is the safety police. And if you're not familiar with the safety police, let me let me fill you in. I talk a lot about it in um, Confidence Unleashed. It's a full-length, kind of really in-depth, complete confidence training program that I have online, as well as uh, my book, The Art of Extraordinary Confidence. So I go in-depth. If you want to really flush out your understanding of it, um, go there. But the short of it is you have a collection of thoughts in your head, kind of like voices in your head, that uh, are guiding your behavior. 
telling you what to do, telling you what you can do and you can't do, telling you what's a good idea or a bad idea. And then, you know, you either do it or you don't because you can or you can't, or you do it or you don't because it's a good idea or a bad idea. And oftentimes we don't really uh, slow down and question the thoughts in our head. And if all of them are true, and if all of them are even, you know, are who we really want to be in the world. We just sort of, oh, I had the thought, so it's got to be true. You know, that thought told me those people are going to judge me. That thought told me that 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 thought told me that that person's going to reject me. So why I'm not going to go talk to them. And we operate this, maybe even operating this way for years. I know I did. I operated like based on that what I thought was true for man, a long time. That was one of the first really liberating insights I had was when someone taught me about this idea of, uh, it was called voice therapy. And it was basic cognitive stuff, like, you know, write out the, the negative thought in your head and challenge it. And I was like, what? What? You can do that? So the safety police is just one, is my word for uh, some of those voices in your head. And I want to help you see them. That's what I was doing with this client. So my mind starts to say, okay, are they aware of safety police and how much control does the safety police have over them and how aware are they of the control that the safety police has over them? So we're going to take a quick break right now and when we get back, I'm going to ex- explore this with you. Uh, try to talk about exactly how I think about safety police, how you can start thinking about safety police, how you can become more aware of your safety police, which is exactly what I want every client to do and that's how people become free, that's how we get, become liberated. So stay tuned. We'll be right back right after this. Have you heard about optimal self-coaching? It's what Aziz teaches all of his private and group coaching clients. It helps you completely transform the way you talk to yourself in your own mind so you can instantly start feeling more confident, be more comfortable around others, and guide yourself to greater levels of career and relationship success. To learn exactly how to transform your inner coach, go to yourconfidencecode.com to get your copy today. Hey, welcome back. So, safety police. So I'm exploring it with this with this client. And the reason I want to use this example is because I man, I love I love working with people at, at all different stages. And but it was fun to work with this guy because it was pretty you know, pretty new to you know, and then done a whole lot of reading about social anxiety. So I get to take these really in-depth ideas and concepts that I've been building for like a decade in my head, nerding out on these concepts and you know, how to distill them down into really short ideas that this guy can take in instantly and then go use. So because we don't want to just talk theory for months and months and months and then not actually have any behavior change or action, right? This is about transformation. So I do coaching. We're not going to, you know, do some sort of really passive therapy that's meant to go for like eight years. So I want to teach him the idea of safety police. So this is going to be helpful for you too. Basically, the safety police is sole purpose is to keep you safe. Hence the name. I picked a good name, right? It's it's sole purpose is to keep you safe. Well, safe from what? Safe from that rejection. Safe from someone not liking you. Safe from pain, really. Now it keeps you safe from physical pain and it also keeps you safe from emotional pain. Sort of the warning system in your nerve, in your mind, in your nervous system. It's the it's the part of you that makes you, I don't know, say no to bad ideas. Like your buddy's like, hey, you want to get drunk and run across the freeway? 
and your safety police be like, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Don't do it. Right. So you can think about it as like, um, you know, in life, there are risks. There's always risks, right? You know, your buddy says you want to run drunk across a freeway. That's a risk. Uh, you want to go apply for that job. And there's a potential risk there. Now, the risks in those two situations are very different, right? Like one is a physical risk to your safety and one is a risk to your ego, sort of an emotional risk. Well, I could I could not get it and then feel sad or feel disappointed or or tell myself in my head I'm a failure and then feel worthless, right? So uh, not all risks are created equal. And the safety police, though, is the part of us that does not see that. Its job is not to, well, ultimately, when you really do a lot of this work, which I've done for a long time on myself, you your safety police becomes uh, a more functional part of you. When we have social anxiety, our safety police is kind of dysfunctional. It's, uh, it's not operating properly or uh, optimally. It is firing off all over the place. So it starts to see every risk as running across the freeway. It starts to see social risks, risks to your ego, to your pride. You know, what if someone doesn't like me? Yeah. It starts to see that as like intolerably dangerous. That's where you're in the realm of social anxiety. Because then you're, you're operating as if someone not liking you or someone judging what you post on social media or, or not wanting to have a conversation with you. Your, your, your nervous system responds to that as if you're in real danger. You're going to die or something. So your safety police is uh, not calibrated right. It's firing off all over the place. And not only that, this is what I found with social anxiety, not only is it firing off all over the place, it also is usually in complete control of the person in the core areas that they want my help with. So... You know, maybe this guy has got confidence in his physical abilities and fitness and athletics and stuff. So safety police doesn't control him much there. Maybe not at all. But when it comes to social interactions, social confidence, talking confidently with other men, approaching women he's attracted to, speaking up in groups, raising his hand in the classroom setting, you know, bringing attention to himself in that way, all of that uh, is he's very uncomfortable with. A lot of social anxiety. That's what we're working on. So in that area... The area that the person's struggling with, my my question is inside of my own head, how much is the safety police controlling them? And the way I assess that is by looking at their behavior. Well, how many risks do they take? How many risks are they taking? How capable are they of taking a risk? And for a lot of people, you know, if you've been stuck in social anxiety, there's strong patterns of avoidance. And so, you know, it's minimal risk, no risk, only, you know, only do it when pushed to and forced to once in a blue moon, once a month, once a year, once every six months, whatever it is. And also the uh, safety police usually has them so under control that they don't even consider taking the risks. That's where it gets really interesting. So, for example, with this client, He's not considering, should I go talk to that group of people? Should I go approach that woman? Should I, you know, he's not considering that on a daily basis. He just doesn't do it. And his safety police tells him, "Ah, I can't do that. It's just not going to work out. It's not worth it. I just can't do it. And that's really interesting. So when I I hear that, I'm like, oh, okay. There's a pretty strong level of uh, control here. 
because the safety police is you got to think about it like a like a propaganda machine in a government or something like that. The if you're if the population is all riled up and like we're gonna go do this, we're gonna go do that, you know, that's a lot of effort to sort of maintain control. So if 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 he is like seeing every day that he sees a, a woman that he's drawn to or a group of people he wants to interact with, he's like, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, and the safety police has to kind of beat him back down. Uh, that's a lot of energy. It's a lot of effort. It's much more efficient for the safety police to just keep. You know, keep him in total submission and just be like, yeah, no, I can't. No, I can't. And not even considering it. And that's how he'd been for uh, years when I when I met him. So I'm curious for you. What's going on with you and your safety police? How much control does it have of you? How much is that mechanism firing off on, on every single threat, potential danger, social social failure, social embarrassment? These are intolerable things. And... Uh, you know, how, how often do you take risks? Because this is what I was telling him. And this is when pretty early on. This is like our, maybe our second or third session. I said, like, at its most simple, uh, to distill it down most simply, the path to liberating yourself from freeing yourself from social anxiety, building strong, solid confidence in yourself that you really want in its simplest form, it's going to require consistently taking risks. That's the core of it. All the other stuff we're doing is going to be to help you be able to do that and refine that and build on that. But that's like one of the core engines of your transformation, of your liberation. Take risks. And so, I mean, sometimes we don't like it put that simply because then we're like, eh, there's got to be another way, right? And then it's like, well, well, okay, okay, fine, 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 fine. I get it. Nah. I'll take a risk, I guess, but uh, when I'm more comfortable, when it's easier. It's too scary right now. And here's the thing about that. That's fine. You can scale back, take a smaller risk. But usually we use that as an excuse to not take any risk. But the thing is, the confidence that you seek is a byproduct of taking those risks. It's the outcome of taking those risks. It's not the, the prerequisite. It's not like you get the confidence or the comfort first and then go take the risk when you feel good. It's you take the risk and no matter how it goes, you're building confidence points. might not seem that way, especially if you, this is the other key piece because it's, there's a risk, but then there's also how you treat yourself. Because if you take a risk and then it doesn't go the way you want and then you spend 17 hours beating the shit out of yourself in your own head, oof, it's going to make this process a lot longer. So those are the two core things I'm working on with anyone at any given time. How do we help you take more risks and how do we help you, you treat yourself no matter what with compassion, love, acceptance, patience, empathy, always treating yourself with respect and always being on your own side. If I could distill down the two core teachings that I'm, and these are, these are intellectual things you can get instantly, but these are, these are uh, skills, arts, that, that you can be mastering for a lifetime. The art of seamlessly taking a risk and facing fear again and again and again and again and again. The art of loving yourself no matter what happens, no matter if it doesn't go the way you want or, or you slip up or anything. So we're going to take one more quick break right now. And when we get back, I'm going to share with you the two core assumptions of social anxiety that I was helping this client see in our early sessions. All right, stay tuned.
Does working with Dr. Aziz actually work? Can you really break free from social anxiety and live a life of confidence, success and happiness? Here is what one client had to say about his experience. What would I say to somebody considering coming to see Dr. Disease for a live weekend? Um, do it. I mean, don't stop it. Um, it's, it's what you need. If, you, if you're doubting it, just do it. I would definitely recommend Dr. Aziz to anyone who wants to improve their uh, confidence and social skills. Um, he's, I don't think anyone else out there is offering anything like what he does. It's, it's especially that something that's so geared towards people who, um, you know, who, who kind of lack in the social confidence area. To get started on your journey towards lifelong confidence with Dr. Aziz, simply go to socialconfidencecenter.com forward slash coaching. Hey, welcome back. So, two core assumptions of social anxiety. And this was, this was coming out in our conversation because it was like, okay, so you, you know, what you really want to do is you want to be able to walk up to that group of people, approach that person you're attracted to, you know, standard stuff if we would do if we were so, more socially confident. And... So I asked him, why don't you? And he said, well, I, you know, I don't want them to judge me. I was like, ah. And that's the core, one of the core uh, fears in social anxiety, right, is being judged by others. And I said, well, there's two assumptions that, that create social anxiety, two ways that we respond to that uh, potential that people might judge us. One is we tend to over-predict the, uh, the negative response. So there's a couple ways we might do that. One is, let's say, you're going to go, if you were to approach, say, 10 people you were attracted to, and you say, well, how many of them would be interested in you? You might say, well, only one or two. Eight or nine would be like, get away from me, weirdo. Now, unless you're doing something kind of weird or or like extremely off-putting, even if you're a little bit nervous, if you approach people and you just say, hey, how's it going, or basic basic kind of approach, um, the likelihood of eight to nine people rejecting you is low. So it, there tends to be, uh, we overpredict it though. And we're, we're pretty certain, we're pretty dang certain that most people would reject us. So, and, and it's sometimes it's, uh, this is an interesting one to, I found you, you can't convince people. Maybe you can, you can kind of work with them intellectually about, well, how many people are you sure? And I found that's where that's where the solution really is to take a risk, is because when you take the risk, you find out what the what the fuck actually happens. You're not just living in your head and fantasies and predictions and calculations and how do I stay safe? How do I stay safe? Just like no, here I go. I'm gonna find out what actually happens. Fuck it. See. So that's the first assumption. The second assumption is that the judgments or the negative outcomes, someone not liking you, you uh, predict it as as sort of intolerable as it, terrible as like worse than it really is like oh my god if that person had a judgmental thought about me i would just i can't even go and ugh. and most people when i that i start working with they've had that like oh my god i don't want to do that someone could judge me and that's been like the electric fence that they've stayed behind for decades and they never slowed down and said how strong is the shock on that fence? What happens if I 
touch it. What happens if I hold it for a minute? Does the, does the sting get less? Can I climb over it? Right? I mean, these are interesting inquiries that, 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 that usually people don't have not done until they work with me. Right? Because it's like we're, we're going into it. And, you know, worse if they go to someone who's like, yeah, yeah, that electric fence is real. You need some medication to fix that. Yeah, yeah, you need to, yeah, you probably going to, that fence is going to be there forever for the rest of your life because you got to manage social anxiety disorder because you're broken, you have bad brain chemistry, and your history was bad, so you're, you're kind of screwed. Anyway, take this uh, antidepressant medication, which is not actually really designed for social anxiety, but it seems to sort of help uh, by placebo for a lot of people, so maybe you should just take it. Blech. No, 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 no. No. There's a better way. You can completely and totally and fully liberate yourself if you're willing to do what it takes, which is those risks. And if you want to get like a really stripped down, focused, bare bones, like how do you do this and where where's all this stuff I'm talking about coming from and just get The Solution to Social Anxiety. It's my first full-length book, The Solution to Social Anxiety. And it is it provides a solution for you. Exactly what I'm talking about here, much more flushed out. And most people that read that book you know, if they resonate with me, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably resonate with me to some degree, but so you, you're probably a good candidate for this. When they pick up that book, they're underlining, you know, every other sentence and saying, is he's talking about me? And the reason I can do that is not from like studying you socially anxious people in a laboratory, from studying myself. Holy shit. He's got all the crazy inside of me. That's all I need to look for. And then, you know, and then from there, uh, working with more and more and more and more and more people. So then it's like, oh, okay, here are the trends, here are the patterns, here's here's what works. Because if you want to know how I liberated myself, it was taking those actions consistently. And I found that I had a, I mean, I spent so many years avoiding it. And then when I was ready to do whatever it took, I had a an incredible amount of drive to face it to for liberation. And I've seen that in the clients who make massive progress, they are able to activate that. They're the ones who can take risks, even if they've avoided them for a long time. They're open to the idea of changing that and taking more risks. And the ones that progress more slowly take risks more slowly. And the ones that don't really progress much at all are unwilling to take any risks and they're really in their head, and their safety police has just got them by the throat, and then we talk for months, and I'm like trying to help smash in there and help them and figure out the safety police, and they're like, no, the safety police is true. Do you want to test it? No. Ah. <laughs> I've had a few people like that, but you know, who knows what their journey is, and, and um, I trust that some of the exploration we did maybe opened up a doorway later in their life. But the people that are just rock stars, I mean, they're just like, okay, Shit, I'm scared. Oh, all right. You know, that risk's too big. How about a smaller risk? Okay, great. Let's talk about that. But it's not a question of if I'm going to take a risk or not. It's which one am I going to take? And frequency. Man, if you could do this kind of stuff often. If you do it once every six months, nah. If you do it once every three months, nah. Do it once a month, nah. Think about it like working out. What if you worked out once every six months? Ridiculous. How many times do people work out? You know, if you want to be in shape, people work out four or five days a week. So, hmm, interesting, huh? Well, that brings us to our action step. Time for action. Action. 
action step for today man we just got to go with risk huh seems like a good one right just got to take a risk just fuck it just take a risk and that was a, a fun thing when i was working with this client um he was wanting to uh, post something on a social media he had been pretty in- inactive for a number of years and had the idea of like putting something up there he's got had some friends in some different cities that he just wanted to show a picture to and but he'd been kind of holding back on it and so he brought that up in our call and I said, oh, why have you been holding back? Well, fear of being judged, right? That's the fear always. And so I was like, man, I'm so action-oriented. I was like, well, what if you imagine just posting it right now? <laughs> and, of course, we worked through some of the fears. We worked through some of the imagined judgments. And then, boom, he did it, which was awesome. And then we worked through, like, well, how does it feel afterwards? You know, and it felt like first it was scary and anxiety provoking and then it was exciting and then he just went through the whole range he took the risk right there so take a risk and what i was sharing with him is in we were his deliberation about it we were talking about it It was fun because it was almost like real time we were kind of watching it unfold almost like when i'm doing exposure work with someone uh, out in the world and there's a tipping point that i found always always when it comes to when we're We've gone from, we used to deliberate a lot about, I don't know if I should. We overanalyze situations to the, you know, just taking the risk, just doing it. And what I found is there's always a tipping point moment for people where somewhere inside, and they might not use this language, but this is kind of their attitude. They just say, should I, shouldn't I? I don't know. What if people judge me? And they're like this, ah, fuck it. And they just do it. And they might say, fuck it. You might say, fuck, you might not. It might just be like, ah, whatever, fine. And you just go do it. But there's this sort of like decisive, and it's like a letting go. And my uh, friend, and who's an author, John Parkin, who's awesome, wrote uh, Fuck It, The Ultimate Spiritual Way. And that's sort of what he's, you know, encouraging people to harness. It's just basically, ah, fuck it, whatever. And just doing the thing or letting go of something. So that's what I would suggest for you. Just fuck it, take the risk, see what happens, and then make it a pra- uh, practice, make it a habit. Awesome. Thanks for being with me today. Thanks for uh, listening and letting me share. And I hope this serves you. I know that it's tremendously helped me in my life. And I know it helps people that I, when I work with them. So I trust that it will, it will serve you. And it's one of my joys. I, I mean, I had this session with him yesterday. It is four in the morning right now. I wake up early, usually meditate, do some self-care. But I was so excited about some of the stuff I was seeing with him that I wanted to record this, uh, to share it. Because that's one of my missions is I learned something. I want to share it. I learned something I want to share it because while I can only work with personally a small group of people at a time through this medium, through the podcast, through YouTube, through my programs, through my live uh, event weekends, I can share what I'm learning with, um, with way more, thousands. And I'm so grateful that you're with me on this journey. So until we speak again, may you have the courage to be who you are, to take risks, and to know on a deep level that you're awesome. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Shrink for the Shy Guy with Dr. Aziz. If you know anyone who can benefit from what you've just heard, please let them know and send them a link to shrinkfortheshyguy.com. For free blogs, ebooks, and training videos related to overcoming shyness and increasing confidence, go to socialconfidencecenter.com.